You may open your Bibles to John 15, a very familiar chapter and passage. I'd like to notice the first five verses, and uh, particularly verse, verse 5. John 15. <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Now that's a, uh, a pretty strong statement there that we should take note of there at the end of verse 5. For without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing that is worthwhile. Nothing that is effective uh, for the kingdom. Without the vine, without the work of the heavenly husbandman, will be unproductive and ineffective. Last summer, there was a, a billboard in several cities in the U.S. One was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. An atheist group posted this message. Uh, and it says this, you don't need God. You don't need God to hope, to care, to love, to live. They wanted to let non-religious people know that they're not alone, is what they said. It's kind of a startling statement, isn't it, to hear or read. You don't need God. And for somebody to be serious about it, it's sad, too. It's not really surprising. Uh, many people don't believe in God and believing in God is a silly thing to them a foolish thing and many who do believe in God live like they don't need him but we know we need God we do need God we do know that don't we we really do need God but you know uh, a subtle thing can happen in life, especially if life is going okay most of the time. Uh, even God's people can become less aware of how badly they need God. And they depend less on Him or less reliant on God. 
even while at the same time they're intending to acknowledge Him and they worship Him and want to serve Him. And maybe to various degrees. To many Christians, they need God when they have an emergency. When things really get serious, scary, and so on. And otherwise, we can be pretty self-reliant and take responsibility for ourselves. That's our culture, and it's a being responsible and... and uh, You've heard the expression of self-made men, men who took the initiative, they worked hard and they succeeded in their area of work and they were described as, are described as self-made men. We can pray and we can read the Bible and we can be God-fearing people, but we can become to a degree self-sufficient. provide for ourselves without needing the help of others. We can work hard, we can plan wisely, and we can take care of ourselves without a lot of extra help. Sure, we have financial needs, but most of us have good, adequate jobs, and there are banks, there are credit cards in a pinch, Maybe we have friends with some means or a rich uncle and we can figure out a way to, to get through, you know, and that our financial needs are met. And for our health needs, there are doctors. We're even blessed to have one in our congregation. And if it gets bad enough, we can go to the hospital. And there are physical therapists and there's preventive maintenance. There are diet and exercise programs that we can follow if we will to and stick to. We can get sick, but we'll get well again. We always have so far. And emotional needs, we can get depressed sometimes and talk to other people, even go to a counselor. And if it gets bad enough, we can maybe get some medication to help out a little bit. If we have a scary topic assignment or uh, some service uh, task that's really challenging or work, we can rely on our talents and our natural abilities and we can work hard and think and study and and get through it some way or if we have some obsession or bad habit or addiction there are 12-step programs and self-help programs lots of them there's whole sections in bookstores and we can try harder to overcome these things and sometimes for stretches of life, things can go well enough that it doesn't seem that we really need God all that much. 
or at least not like a mother in Somalia with a starving baby in her arms. If we have a problem, we can usually figure it out some way and find a solution. If, you know, if that's the way we tend to be or if that's the way we, where we find ourselves, you know, we can be Christian, but we'll not be growing like God would have us to. We'll be weaker. We'll be less effective. Or we could slowly drift away and instead of growing slowly, being uh, deteriorating. There were times when Israel felt pretty able and secure and God warned them to watch for that tendency and to guard against it. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 8, there's a few verses beginning with verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power, and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. If we forget God, we perish. If we forget our dependency on God, if we forget to rely on God, if we begin to trust in ourselves, if we forget to pray, give us our daily bread, and not mean it and realize that it is from God that our daily bread comes. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. 
and in Jeremiah 17. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath, which is a shrub, in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the, inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabit it. And it's just a couple verses later that it says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. But God does. So it's a tendency of the heart uh, that when things are going well, unless we take special effort and work on, uh, on knowing God, knowing the truth, and following the truth, that our reliance and trust in God will diminish, our faith will weaken, and be distorted and uh, will slip. <clears throat> or we may be at a different place. We may not be there. <clears throat> we may not even be tending toward that kind of attitude. We could be at a place where we very, very, very earnestly know our need for God and may be wondering, where is He when I need Him? We may be discouraged and fearful. What can I do? What difference could I make? We may be desperate for answers. We may have fears about our nation. And there are things to be scared about. We touched on the culture just briefly in our Sunday school class, but it's, it's scary to think of you know, just how far things have, have lurched in the last uh, number of years and uh, what, a, what that might indicate for the future. We can be concerned about our families talked about families in our Sunday school lesson and how things kind of change from when you have a young family, your children are all at home and obey you because you're dad or mom and you're bigger than they are and, and they will do what you say. But then coming to a point of realizing, are they learning what they need to learn so that when they get beyond uh, mom and dad's influence and direction, that they'll do the right things. And thinking of, the, uh, of the, all the influences and from so many directions that our children face it's, it can be very concerning. Or for our church. Our church faces winds and influences. What awful thing might happen? How terrible may things turn out? And where is God? And what can I do? What, what effect could I have? What difference could I make?
And if we just concentrate on those scary things, we can get frightened enough and discouraged enough to the point of despair that we just feel totally helpless. And unsure what to do. Have you ever wished that you could be a man like Moses and raise your arm and have your staff in hand and raise it over the Red Sea and the Lord would part the waters of your troubles and your family or whatever could cross over on dry ground, secure and safe? Or stand like Elijah beside that altar, drenched and dripping with water, and say, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. And fire falls, and your friends would know, and your family would know, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Or like Peter and John at the temple looking into the pleading eyes of that lame beggar and say, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And your child would leap to his feet Praising the Lord. We need God. Uh, God works. God's hand is strong. And God works even in people. Even in people other than Moses and Elijah and Peter and John. We looked at that verse in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Now if we switch that around, we have this encouraging thought. With me, you can do something. With me, you can do something. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, that's encouraging. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 5, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. There needs to be a, an attitude a, uh, of, of faith, and of trust, a conscious and ongoing awareness. I need God. 
in order to survive as a Christian, in order to grow as a Christian, in order to be what God has called me to be, in order to be effective in the roles He's put me in. Someone wrote this, Arthur W. Pink said this. I don't think he's living anymore, but he said, prayer is not so much an act as it is an attitude, an attitude of dependency, dependency upon God. That even in all the things that we have learned to do and uh, can accomplish with our hands and with our brains, that as, as God's servants, as Christ's servants, we need to be doing those things as servants of God and with His grace. And that if those things are going to be effective in any way for the kingdom and be effective in our growth and in our ministry and our service to others, we need to depend on God. We need to pray. We need to ask for God's grace and help. And God does. There are those stories, those encouraging stories from the Old Testament. One is in Second uh, Chronicles 14 where Asa, King Asa was kind of in a jam and an enemy army was come with a multitude more than Asa had. And he cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on Thee. And in Thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, Thou art our God. Let not man prevail against Thee. doesn't matter if the enemy has a huge army and I only have a few or whether I have many. It is God's help that makes the difference. Hezekiah had a similar prayer. Be strong and courageous, encouraging the people. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than, be, than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. We can rest. In the, in, that doesn't mean relax and just leave it to God or leave it to someone else. But we can rest that God can help us, that God will help us, that we can make a difference. In 2 Corinthians talks about a battle also in, in chapter 10. Verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our warfare, he says, 
know, sometimes we just fight by ourselves and, and we're fighting against something. We may, we may have the right truth or the right uh, course in mind for ourselves and our family or the church and but we're depending on the force of our argument and our our uh, strong voice and our will to to make these changes or to to keep us on this course but this warfare is not carnal but it is mighty through god our battle and our effort must have in it the might of God for it to be effective. Finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in, and in the power of His might. And I think often of the verse in Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except... The Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So there is a builder, he's building a house. He's building a family. He's building a church. He's building a relationship with a lost person. But except the Lord is the builder, with the builder, they labor in vain. Or watching the city. There are watchers watching for their families, watching for their churches. But unless the Lord keep the city, the watchers watch in vain. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul did his part. Apollos did his part. God gave the increase. It wasn't just a group of people that were uh, following Paul and were charmed and thrilled by this charismatic message, but it was the Word of God taught and nurtured and God gave the increase. But we do need to be the people that God can use in that fruitful vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. But with him, we can do something. We can bring forth much fruit. Some branches were fruitful in this 
in this lesson that Jesus taught, some were not. Some were cut away and thrown aside. Fruitful branches abide. They are pruned by the gardener. And we notice that some are average, some are below average, some are above average in fruitfulness. Some are more fervent than others. Some are less effective. Some have less power in their prayer and in their life than, than others. <clears throat> in the in the past uh, number of months, I uh, I learned to know some people that uh, two two in particular that that their stories. Uh, I thought were really were interesting and and uh, had a good had a good lesson. One was a lady, and she was and and when I learned learning to know people, it's interesting to know how what was their childhood like and their their family and so on. This was uh, somebody who had written a book for CLP, and she lives way off from here. But they had. Uh, they were from non-Mennonite background, and um, but the, they became interested in living a more serious Christian life and found Anabaptists and took a little journey. But anyway, this was what was interesting. Uh, the mom died a couple of years ago, and that's what how we got on several years ago, maybe. But uh, that's what got on me onto this subject. She said her dad was a nice man. He was a good person. He wanted good things for his family. He wanted his children to be in a good place, a safe place. And that's why they made some of the choices that they did as far as where they lived and the church they were part of and so on. But it seemed like he didn't take his personal spiritual life, uh, his walk with the Lord, especially seriously. Average seemed to be okay for him. And he wanted good for his children, but he wasn't there himself. And he left the above average part to his wife. And she was a spiritual rock in their home. And she prayed for her children. Uh, their children are all grown, grown and gone from home, and uh, it was some of the children were older, older already when they began their pilgrimage as family. So some of the children didn't come along. Some of them didn't turn out so well. Others of them did. Another uh, story: uh, I met a man this past week. Just a really sweet, godly man. And I was talking to him about his, his family and 
how he grew up. I think there were six children, five sons and a daughter. The dad was a businessman and quite wealthy for the community that they lived in. And he had a strong work ethic. He taught his children to be responsible, to work hard, to be honest. He was strong on character. But his spiritual priorities were not that as strong. And his relationship with God, uh, this man wasn't, wasn't exactly sure where he was at sometimes. But his mom, his mom was a wonderful woman. She was a wonderful mom. She's a praying mom. She's a godly mom. And they did lose a daughter to the world. But the sons, I think there were five sons, are all faithful uh, Christians and in the church. And this, uh, this brother was, uh, was just uh, a godly man. You, you could just tell, very, very Christ-like and spiritual. A couple of lessons, I think, that those st sto uh, stories stirred in me. If as a Christian parent, uh, you feel alone, and it, it has been the other way, too. I think of Ed Witcher. A few of you maybe have met him. Uh, we were down at his place. Lives next to uh, Irvin and Sharon's. This, it's been about a week and a half ago for a cottage meeting one evening. And I'd known him from, Joe would know him, too, from, from years ago. He was uh, a concrete man. And he'd come on the job with a testimony and praising the Lord and just so different from a lot of the contractors, subcontractors that came in. His wife was uh, just not a good person at all. She eventually left him. And she had done some, she had hurt him too. She stabbed him one time, maybe several times. But he just has a, he just was the same Ed that I remember from years ago. He uh, just had, just loved Jesus. He praised the Lord and, and um, wants to live for Him. God is so good. God is so good. But to parents that are feeling alone, take heart. Do your part. It, it will have an effect. The other, le that's lesson one from those stories. The other is to below average parents, below average uh, spiritual fervor parents, take the challenge and you can do better. You can be more effective. Don't lean on the fervency of your spouse. You can discourage him or her. How much stronger when you support each other. I had to think too of the, uh, in this, this uh, account here, about the soil types that Jesus talked about. 
And he, um, this great multitude had come to him and he said, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And we know the story and we know the lessons, how some seeds fell on the hard places and weren't accepted and were, were devoured and others in stony places and, and uh, among the uh, thorns and how those didn't do well. But then there were some that fell on good ground and it brought forth fruit. And in Matthew 13, the way it gives it there, it says, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So we have some bearing a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. And in Jesus' explanation of in Matthew, in verse 23, he said, But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit. So he was saying that the good ground, the good soil is the heart that understands, that grasps and comprehends with the idea of following. In Mark 4 and verse 20 where he's explaining the parable is said just a little different there. He said this way, and these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. So he goes the other direction, starts little and gets big. But the ground he describes as hearing the word and receiving, welcoming it, accepting it and welcoming it, not resisting, but eager for it. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. An honest and good heart and keeping it, holding it, following it with a sincere and good heart. That will be fruitful. That, that soil will be fruitful. There are levels of fervency, levels of growth, levels of maturity, levels of spiritual fruit, levels of effectiveness. And our, our gifts and so forth, will, uh, things will affect our, our work and our effectiveness. But there is a, a growth and an effectiveness that is determined by the type of heart we have. That affects how the Word can work in our heart. It affects how God can work through us. We need God. You know, I've thought about the disciples 
with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, to begin with, the sea was calm. And I don't know, probably most of you enjoy boat rides, especially when it's calm water. And you trail your hand out in the water, and it's smooth and nice and cool. The sun is warm, and it just is an enjoyable experience. But, you know, just a little bit later, the storm hit with that rain lashing down on them, and the, the wind was ripping the waves around and dumping them over into the boat, and water was filling the boat. It wasn't a serene ride on, a, on the lake anymore. The disciples were terrified. And they wakened Jesus, crying for help. But you know, they needed God just as bad just as seriously when it was calm and smooth just that little while before. So it is with us. And if we, if we are serious, if we abide, if we are in the vine, If we are a faithful branch, if we are a good soil, we can be encouraged. Without Him, we can do nothing. But with Him, we can bring forth much fruit. We can become what He's called us to become. And we can be effective. We can make a difference in the roles that we have. May the Lord bless us and make us useful and effective in His kingdom. Shall we have a song?